Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Flanders Sherbet UFOs. Enjoy the intergalactic fizzy flavour. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they impacted on me growing up as a boy in 1980s and 1990s Birmingham. I say boy, we're in 1992 now, and technically I'm a teenager. This week, I'm looking at a song called The Fugitive, which is track 7 on the Fear of the Dark album. Last week, we ended the first half with Wasting Love, and had some feedback on the show. I had a message from Richard Kimball, and he was disappointed because he felt that my insights on love weren't particularly good and didn't feel that I was best placed to talk about it. It is that Bruce clearly isn't very good either, based on the lyrics for Wasting Love. And Adrian's the best. That's what he says. And you might expect him to provide some proof to this, some lyrics that Adrian wrote. But no, it's the following extract that led him to this conclusion. As he went through the gate, he crashed into old Mrs Stratton, who was walking past with her bag on wheels. Her shopping flew out onto the pavement, and Officer Riggs rushed to help her pick it up. Pies, peas, more pies, beans. Their hands brushed against each other as they both reached for the same steak and kidney pudding. They stopped and looked into each other's eyes. Officer Riggs wondered if old Mrs Stratton could be the one. So there you go. Richard Kimball claims this is as romantic as anything in Pride and Prejudice. That's interesting. Now I mentioned in the last episode about a section that you could tiptoe along to. That staccato bit... And I had a message from the one-armed man about this, saying it's not a good idea, because it's so fast that when you tiptoe, the pressure of your feet on the floor prevents any element of stealth, and, and having the music on while you do it also ruins it. Um, so, yeah, he couldn't sneak up on his mum. All right, well, I'm sorry about that. Maybe I didn't think of it, but that's just what I imagine the band doing during that section. Right, let's move on to The Fugitive. And, uh It's got this great intro, big drums, listen to this. That's quite menacing sound and maybe they're trying to recreate this on Senjutsu. There's those big drums and then it changes. It's quite unusual this next bit. Yeah, it catches you off guard a bit. Um, but then it goes back into that big intro again. So that's a nice dramatic start. But then it seems to totally change again. So this is confusing early on. Maybe this represents the different terrain that the fugitive's running on. Maybe he's going from desert to tundra to plains to forest. That's what I picture anyway. Um, no doubt I'll get complaints. So it settles down into the first verse and we get the opening lyrics. But after this intro, it seems a bit of a letdown. The drama seems to stop. Now in the dictionary, a fugitive is a person who has escaped captivity or is in hiding. Now I've had this sort of theme before. Songs like Innocent Exile, Sanctuary, Running Free. And then even someone running away in Murders in the Room Morgue. So this theme, I wonder what makes Steve Harris identify with this. And even on later songs like The Prisoner, and even Gangland, although Steve Harris didn't write that one. 
It's in those other songs, it's often an accusation that has made the person be on the run. But a fugitive suggests that he may have been caught previously and he's running from that. So was Steve Harris on the run from something? Was being in the band an escape from the reality of being a draftsman in the East End? Maybe he was trying to escape from the press. Later on there's a line about being hunted down like game. Maybe that's how the press were in the 1990s. I don't think it is about Steve Harris though, as it talks about crimes being involved, trying to clear the name, and being framed. Or maybe there was some sort of crime that we don't know about. Maybe he went scrumping for apples as a teenager. Or he went to the newsagent and stole that free Highland toffee bar off the front of the Beano comic. We've all done that, haven't we? Yeah, prisoners, fugitives, drifters, all these themes. And on the Drifter episode, I mentioned Dick Whittington, of course, which most people bring up. But I also mentioned The Littlest Hobo, which was a TV show about a dog. And he was a bit of a drifter. Now, this TV show had an episode called The Day of a Fugitive. So that's interesting, isn't it? Oh, another link. And this is Series 3, Episode 4, if you're interested. I thought about watching it to see if there were any other Iron Maiden links in the script. But after I watched an episode of the cartoon Gem for the Flash of the Blade show, I think I've done enough. And I also sat through those banned videos more recently for From Here to Eternity and Wasting Love, and they were bad enough as well. Strangely, looking at The Littlest Hobo more, there was also an episode called Trooper, and that came out a few months before the band released the song. And there's also an episode called Prodigal Son. So maybe there is some link. Maybe Steve Harris liked this show. Maybe there was some sort of agreement. Maybe I should restart the podcast now I've found this out. Maybe there's extra insight that could be offered from watching The Littlest Hobo. Now, I don't really think it is about The Littlest Hobo. Because going back to the 1990s, The Fugitive was a film. But this actually came out the year after the song. So it's a bit like how the film Dune came out a year after To Tame a Land. Now on a recent episode, I revealed that Steve Harris reads books. And he gets titles from them as well as films. So maybe there's a book called The Fugitive. But I looked into it and the film The Fugitive comes from the TV show of the 1960s. So maybe Steve Harris watched this. We've already had a song about another TV show from that era, The Prisoner. Anyway, let's talk about the song. The first verse says, On a cold October morning, as frost lay on the ground, waiting to make my move, I make no sound. Now, it might sound better with Bruce singing it. On a cold October morning, as frost lay on the ground, waiting to make my move, I make no sound. I don't like these lyrics. Okay, let's imagine they're from Trevor. Let's imagine that was Trevor's poem this week, and I'm speaking to him. What do you say it's October for? Why do you use the word make twice? That seems lazy. Yeah, it's not as much fun, is it, without Trevor answering? And I probably wouldn't say this to Steve Harris, of course. Now, I have been critical, haven't I? But it does set the scene, at least, even if it is an odd choice of words. But it does sound a bit basic, like the lines from a theme tune to a kid's TV show. Or maybe like he's taken them from one of those old music hall-style songs from the olden days. Shh. Hope to 
coat so fine Crawling through the bushes with it open wide Now I don't think these lyrics suggest a link to that TV show, The Fugitive, because they're quite general and they could relate to any fugitive. Although the show did have 120 episodes, so it's possible that there was some frost on the ground in one of them, for example. The next section talks about waiting for the mist to clear and when he feels the time is right, he took the wall. Now that doesn't mean that he took the wall in the sense that he gathered up all the bricks and put them in his rucksack. It suggests he took the wall as an option, meaning a means of escape. So we can now picture that he was in some sort of prison grounds and maybe had a few options of escape, but he chose the wall rather than the gate or a ladder or a magic portal. Now the word took suggests that this is in the past and in a minute we'll join the fugitive now, saying he's sick and tired of running. So this scene in October was in the past, the start of how he got here now and we learn that he was wrongfully taken captive being at the wrong place and at the wrong time suspected of a hit that was my crime it says a convenient rhyme which also rhymes with time and crime so again similar to murders in the rue morgue and those killers era songs wrong place wrong time now the chorus goes like this Well, there's a few things I can say about this. First of all, another bad rhyme, name and game. This isn't what a fugitive would say. Hello, I'm a fugitive and I'm being hunted down like game. It's a bit like the assassin who wouldn't say, better watch out. I don't think Steve Harris can quite get under the skin of these characters. I mean, it's possible the fugitive does speak in rhyme, but that would be silly. Now what I do like about the chorus is there's some backing vocals. And we haven't had any of them for a while, like, well, apart from from here to eternity, but obviously I didn't like those ones. The rhythm does seem a bit clumsy when it first kicks in, you know, compared to the verse, but then it does make sense when you get used to it. Um, although there does seem to be the odd thump from Nico that seems a bit odd. In the verse after the chorus, we hear some synth strings, and again, haven't heard those for a while either. But I'm not sure we need it to emphasise the drama. I think it's alright without it, to be honest. Now what I like about the song is the instrumental break because it's not obvious. There's a solo first and, and some nice changes. Then we get this synth heavy passage. Now all these changes, if you focus on it, it sort of makes you lose your breath a bit. Maybe like a running fugitive. And there's a section that also reminds me of Wrathchild. Some more references to the killers era. I like this bit because you don't know where it's going. Maybe like a running fugitive. But then the sudden jump back to the verse, it's like a letdown. Feels a bit disappointing. Like it's run out of steam after going at a fair pace. Maybe a bit like a running fugitive. 
As I've mentioned, the choice of rhymes throughout this song are a bit convenient and it reads a bit like a schoolboy's poem rather than a man who's been honing his songwriting craft for 15 years or more. Crime and time, name and game. It doesn't get any better. Now in isolation, some of the verses might be quite powerful. Always looking round me, forever looking back. I'll always be a target for attack. And anyone who's ever had a ginger mullet will know about this. Even though he's on the run, he does dream of clearing his name and finding them. And what I'm doing when I say them is putting my fingers up in the air to make inverted commas. And you can't see that on a podcast, but that's what I'm doing. Now, them, and I'm doing that thing again with my fingers, it might be a gang or the people who framed him. And the weak rhyme at the end of it suggests there's an element of revenge as well as wanting redemption. So if he's innocent, he wants them all to pay or suffer what he's had to go through. Now a plot involving a fugitive is often used in literature and art. That book, a musical by Victor Hugo, which had a fugitive called Les Miserables. There's a book called Papillon as well. Now you might be annoyed that it's not Trevor talking about French literature, but I don't just have French examples. There's also the character Magwitch, who appears at the start of the recent Charles Dickens novel, Great Expectations. I remember there used to be a section on the Birmingham Evening Mail website called Birmingham's Most Wanted and they had photos of all these villains who I suppose were sort of fugitives. I remember having anxiety that I'd meet one of them on the street and they'd laugh at me when I tried to perform a citizen's arrest. I hope for the day that I might see Simon Rafferty or Thomas Spencer among those faces. But looking at these faces, I think I'd be a good policeman because when you see them, you know they'd be criminals just from the photographs. And I'd probably adopt this approach if I was walking around on the beat and I'd perhaps just arrest people for having this sort of look. And this would stop them committing the crimes and we'd all be safer. Although I've got a feeling that might not be a very good approach. It's another song that ends a bit too soon, which means I can't really love it because it's over. Right now it's time for Dave Morey Fact of the Week. Hello. Dave Morey's mother is like your mother. She had a maiden name. And I don't mean that as a clever pun about Iron Maiden, but Dave Murray's mum had a maiden name of Powell. Now you might think, great, now I know his mother's maiden name and his date of birth, but that doesn't mean you can commit fraud and access his bank account, because he's picked better security questions than that. So there you go, I hope you enjoyed this week's Dave Murray Fact of the Week. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring. Hi, Wayne. What's your Ray doing? Yeah, not so bad. Just waiting for summer to start. Alright, oh, what? You're not doing anything else? You're just sitting there? Well, obviously I'm doing other things, but I'm talking about the weather. That's what people do, isn't it? Maybe at the bus stop or in the barbers, but not on a podcast about Iron Maiden. We're here to talk about The Fugitive this week. So what do you think about that song? Yeah, it's quite an interesting one. It's not one I think about much, but when I hear it, I often think he's not as bad as I thought. And when I look at the album track list, I probably think, yeah, it's sort of about the middle, as far as quality goes. I don't mean literally being placed in the middle of the album, which it is, because it's the start of the second half. All right. What do you think of the lyrics? Well, they're a bit convenient. That hunted down like game, it's just there to rhyme with name. Yeah, I've already said that. Well, I don't know, do I? It's like those children's books where they have rhymes in to tell a story. 
Maybe this is from a book where it tells people about jobs. I am a circus clown and I'm sitting in a calf. I am a circus clown and I'm here to make you laugh. Okay, well, that's not your poem, is it? No, I'm just emphasising how silly it is because sitting in a calf, that's irrelevant, but it's just there for the next bit. Well, I suppose you're the right person, aren't you, to talk about irrelevance in poetry. What's that supposed to mean? Anyway, that circus clown, you can sing that along to the fugitive. Do you want me to do it? No, thank you. Anyway, fugitive isn't a job, so that wouldn't be in the book and you can't say that. It's like a prowler and that's not a job either, which was a mistake I made in series one. Yeah, okay. You sure you don't want me to sing it? No, thanks. Have you ever thought about being a fugitive? Well, I'd have to be arrested first, or taken into captivity. I don't think anyone would do that, would they? Unless they wanted to hold the world ransom, with a threat that Trevor won't do poems again. Would be big news. I don't think so. I suppose you're also a fugitive when you're in hiding. And I remember hiding in the bath when I broke my dad's special ornament. The bath? I imagine a fugitive hiding for days or weeks. How long were you in the bath? I wasn't in the bath. You just said you were. Yeah, but in the bath makes it sound like I was naked, with bubbles, having a wash. Well, how were you hiding in the bath then? Clothed, with no water. I took my shoes off though. So did, so did he not see you when he came in to wash his hands or something? No, I had the shower curtain drawn. Hang on, isn't the toilet in your bathroom? Didn't he go to the toilet? Yeah, that's when I announced myself. What? You said, hello, I'm Trevor. No, I mean like revealed myself. It's all happened. He said, what are you doing in the bath? And what did you say? I said, just sitting in it. What did he say? He said, I can see that. What did you say? Nothing. He asked me why I was there. What did you say? I said, I don't know. Okay, that's enough of this. This is a rubbish anecdote. The silly thing was, he didn't know I'd broken his special ornament yet. So how long were you in the bath for then? About 20 minutes. Oh, feels like we've been going on about it for longer than that. Right, well, let's talk about the current time. On Twitter this week, I posted a link to ABBA Voyage, which is a series of shows by the Swedish popsters where they use 3D avatars to make it look like they're really performing. And it's like a peak period version of them from the 1970s. Now, this is relevant because on an episode of Fecking Metal podcast, Fergal, the host, mentioned that maybe Iron Maiden would do this one day, put on shows as holograms when they're too old. And I wondered if people would like this, or was it more suited to a band like ABBA rather than heavy metal? What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, I like it. What do you like? Well, it might be good to see a show from the early days, maybe the Paul Diano era, or maybe from those tours which don't have live albums or DVDs. Maybe they could do a residency somewhere, like Vegas have 20 shows or something with all the different tours. So can you see that happening? Well, I don't see why not. Where does it end? With Adabba, we'll get Jimi Hendrix next, Bowie, the Woodstock Festival. Seems wrong, but I think it'll happen. Would you go and see Iron Maiden in this setting? Well, I don't like gigs with big arenas. I'd want to be close to the front, but it would feel odd if Steve Harris was pointing his bass guitar at us looking at me. It would feel cold, like he's looking through me, into my soul. Okay. What if the programming went wrong? 
What do you mean? Well, what if one of them went out of time and Bruce and Steve ran to the same place on the stage at the same time? It would be like a glitch. And Steve Harris might get angry and they might start fighting on stage. They might destroy each other. They're not robots. It's all programmed, so it won't go wrong. Well, there could still be errors. Who knows how these avatars feel? They don't feel. They're not people. It's, it's just an image. I don't think it would seem real anyway. They couldn't react to the crowd properly. What do you mean? Well, if the fans booed at the end of a song, Bruce would still say thank you because that's what he's been programmed to say. So it's not realistic. Well, no one's going to boo at an Iron Maiden concert anyway. That's not realistic. Who's going to do that? Well, maybe not. But if you're at a show where Bruce says, I want to see your lighters in the air, I'd say, we don't have any lighters anymore, Bruce, due to the health and safety. They might set the sprinklers off. And he wouldn't hear me, would they? Because he's not real. OK, well, I think you're overthinking it a bit. To me, it's just like a spectacle to see with other fans, you know, when the opportunity's gone. And I suppose it's similar to those sing-alonger sound of music screenings you go to. Oh, yeah. I can't believe you go to those. So you just sort of sit there watching the film, but singing along to the songs. Yeah, nothing to be ashamed of. I like the film. It's good to sing along with other like-minded folk. Anyway, Fiona Gregory was there once. No, she wasn't. Yes, she was. Dressed up as a lonely goat herd. What, like a shepherdess? Yeah. When was this? Oh, years ago. What did you go dressed as? Trevor. What, is he one of the Von Trapp family? That was me. I didn't, go, I didn't dress up. I just made a bow tie out of curtains. OK, well, have you got a poem for us this week? Yeah. On a cold October morning, stood on the platform edge, eating a chicken pie and potato wedge is I stand away from the waiting crowd a fugitive alone by choice their tired fashion their tired conversation I try and block out the boring voice is okay is that it yeah so what you're just waiting for a train and then you, you don't want to be near everyone else yeah that's the gist of it feel like a fugitive uh, compared to mainstream society. I don't like it. All right, well, seems a bit odd. The odd, odd rhymes, odd choice of words. Yeah, well, I struggled this week. I'm not scared to admit it. Sometimes I find it easy. The words just flow out of me. But this was tricky. I wrote one about being a fugitive on a dating site. Like I'm in hiding from all those people judging you on photos. Swiping left on my face, but I didn't. I wrote one about standing at a train station eating a pie. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, thanks for that. Yeah, well, next week we've got Chains of Misery, so hopefully plenty of inspiration there. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Bye. Okay, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Wayne Maiden on Twitter. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, uh, but I'm not here to boast about how many social media platforms I'm on. But uh, if you want to find me, hopefully you will. I'm also on Ko-Fi, which is like a buy me a coffee site. So if you enjoy the podcast, why not leave me a tip? I'd be very grateful. And thanks to all those who do leave tips, um, because I do put out some extra content on there just to make it worthwhile. Some bonus features, articles, and the odd additional episode. And this week there was an article about Paul Diano meeting Steve Harris and trying to explain why time-travelling Paul Diano, that we know, 
didn't tell us about it after someone commented on Twitter. So there's a few theories there. So have a look at that if you want. It's free. You don't have to pay for the articles, but you know, just there's the option. So that's The Fugitive then. Not a classic, but not a stinker. But on listening to it for the podcast and speaking about it, um, yeah, maybe I like it more than I thought, like what Trevor said. Um, but uh, whether it's a top three on the album, we'll find out later, won't we, at the end of it all. You know, maybe it might push the top 50 Iron Maiden songs, but uh, yeah, I think most people would say it wouldn't without listening to it properly and just judging it based on what they remember. So give it another go. It's a bit like Shredded Wheat. It might not appear that exciting, but if you give it a chance, it might become a staple, something that you have quite often in your cereal bowl or an Iron Maiden playlist. As I said to Trevor, it's Chains of Misery next week, so uh, I'm not sure how excited I am for that one. But for now, a pretty reasonable start to the second half of the album. So I'll leave you with a bit from The Fugitive. And uh, yeah, hope you can join me next week. So thanks for listening. Bye-bye.